Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good evening to all and welcome to tonight's installment of, Gov- of Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Nimrod Timbele and thanks for tuning in on this glorious Tuesday evening. So you might you might want to know, I mean, I suppose everyone wants to know what, what keeps one up at night. The question for you is what is really keeping you up at night? How are you managing, you know, in terms of the stress that we're seeing? How are you managing your anxieties? I mean, uh, is it as, you know, is it a state of the nation address that from time to time fails to provide concrete plans or is it acquisition of questionable vaccines from India? Um, is it a less controversial Johnson and Johnson vaccine that is hitting our shores or is it uh, the testimonies that are, you know, that are being made at the Zona Commission? And what, what, what do you make of the MK veterans recent stunt, uh, in Kanla? Um, these are all very interesting issues that, you know, we're grappling with from time to time. Uh, on the business front, what do you make of the KPMG turnaround strategy, which looks at delinking audit from, uh, audit from non-audit services? I think it was a remarkable position that, uh, the KPMG South Africa is taking, uh, in terms of, uh, managing the trust deficit which has seen the, the company, you know, losing quite substantial revenues over the past uh, uh, three, four years. And what do you make of Deloitte? I mean, I've picked up today that they are they're prepared to pay, to compensate 3.1 billion rands to, to stand on claimant. And of course, in, in the midst of the, 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 the desire to make that kind of substantial payment, uh, they they are not accountable for anything, so they say. Also, you know, it's, which is quite interesting. The question is, why would you pay a substantial amount when you uh, when you don't have any liabilities, which are directly accrued to you as a company that was doing the the the, the audit of Stanoff? <coughs> but you know, those are some of the issues that uh, are coming through, which are, which you know makes our world quite interesting. Uh, I mean, there's, there's so much. I mean, when you look at the, again, going back to the, the political realm, when you look at the, the you know, the theatrics, uh, we're seeing at the Zona Commission. I mean, I, it's just amazing. Uh, are you again, are you inspired? Uh, some people are inspired because they see men and women, uh, who are following their conviction by providing evidence, uh, that, that seeks to bring perpetrators to book. Uh, or are you one, are you one of those people that are disgruntled? Uh, and, and lost hope due to perceived culture of impunity or, or erosion of trust that appear to be pervasive across uh, public and private sector organization. Where do you stand? I mean, these are all issues that we need to grapple with. I'm sure most of us struggle you know, these uh, issues. However, as Edmund Beck once said, evil prevail when good men and women, I would imagine, sit and do nothing. My take is that um, I think the kind of work that we've seen to date is a demonstration of the willingness of men and women who wants to take this country forward. Whether the commissions that we've seen over the past have yielded results or not, bottom line is um, there is some kind of, there's a very good gesture. Uh, South Africans are quite keen to see uh, action uh, and, and less rhetoric and less, you know, talk. But there's something that we probably need to work very hard as a South African. Anyway, moving on softly, moving on, uh, you know, swiftly.
to not be focusing on the economic uh, implication of what we're seeing uh, at the Zeno Commission. I'm sure everybody wants to know because ultimately politics is, has, has a very interesting relationship with economies. Uh, we know that in a context of political, a politically stable environment, we're more likely to attract um, foreign investment. We're more likely to, 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 to progress as a society. But anyway, I've got gurus in this particular space who will share their thoughts with us. Amongst others, I'm joined online by Professor Susan Boysen, who is the director, uh, research director at MISTRA, as, as well as a visiting professor at the School of Governance. She's also a thought, um, an author of numerous uh, publications, and the one that I just want to point out, which is going to be published sometimes in March, um, is entitled Precarious Power, Compliance and Discontent under, uh, a, uh, under Ramaphosa's ANC. So we look forward to see that book when it is being published. I'm also quite uh, privileged and honored to be joined by Leslie Dekane, who is a former senior researcher at Mapungubwe, uh, and strategic reflections. Uh, Leslie's also a prolific writer. Uh, I mean, he's got a, one of those guys, you know, that have, uh, he wears so many heads. I mean, he's also, uh, I mean, geez, I don't know. I looked at his, his CV and I didn't know which, which part to cut and what to part to cut. But the reality is that he's a prolific writer. He has done very well. One of his books that perhaps maybe uh, I would get a chance to read is entitled uh, South Africa, South African uh, Development Perspective in Question. And he's also co-authored uh, a book with William, with, with William Kumata uh, entitled uh, Poverty of Ideas. So these are, you know, uh, colleagues that are renowned in the field of critical analysis. We're hopeful that tonight they will share their wisdom with us as we get to understand what are the broader uh, social and economic implications of the stance that has been pulled by the president. Do join our, do weigh in our conversation. Our SMS line is 24519. The telegram is 0618951019. And of course, my Twitter handle is at Nimrod. Without any waste of time, I just want to locate the kind of conversation that I'm going to have with the two, uh, uh, you know, colleagues. First and foremost, we have to contend with the unemployment rate that is sitting around 40%. And we need about 4% annually to make a dent. Uh, you know, and, and when you juxtapose that with the grossless uh, environment that we've seen over the past couple of months, it's quite shocking. And we have to make really strides in terms of the structural reforms You know, around SOEs. Where are we with SOEs? Land reform. A land, I mean, a release of the spectrum. Um, these are some of the issues which have been on table for some time, and the needle hasn't really moved. The budget, what about the budget deficit? We're currently sitting about 370 billion rates in the red, and our debt is currently sitting about 81% to GDP. We are in a big red with about 4 trillion rands, and, and not to mention the fact that we've been downgraded which makes our life horribly difficult when we go to uh, foreign markets to raise revenues that we desperately needed. You know, I think as a South African, we need to focus our eyes on what really matters. And sometimes I wonder if politicians live in the same world. But anyway, these are my views. What are your views? Without any waste of time, let me welcome, you know, uh, Professor Boysen as well as uh, and. Um, <clears throat> Um, uh, you know, just to give us a, a perspective um, on, on this particular issue. Leslie Dikeni and uh, Professor Boysen, you're most welcome.
Thank you very much. Good evening, Namrat, and good evening, Leslie. Thank you very much. There we, there we are. I'm going to start with um, you, Prof. Now that you you, you ventured uh, your your response earlier than Les, what do you make <laughs> of Jacob Zuma's defiance uh, of the Constitutional Court order, which sort of compelled him to to testify the, at the commission? Yes. It is really, it's overall a sad day in South African politics that uh, once elected former president by now, but a person who is supposed to act with stature in society, that he got himself in a position that is so desperate that he has to pull, try to pull down some of the crucial pillars of South African democracy together with him, because, and here I talk about the constitutional order, so the fact that South Africa is a constitutional state, respect for the legal system and for constitutional, constitutional order, those are really paramount principles in South African politics. Besides the elected, democratically elected political system, those are so crucial. And he was prepared not to subject himself, to refuse to do that, subject himself to the rules of the country, the laws of the land. And that is probably because he is so heavily implicated. More than 40 witnesses, it is said, as the judge Raymond Zonda, Justice Raymond Zonda summarized that, more than 40 witnesses had implicated him. And the fact that he does not still not want to subject himself to being scrutinized at the at forum, such an important forum, it just must mean that he admits that he is guilty. But he will not do that. And he rather he will plead all kinds of narratives, the typical exploitation and persecution ones, in the times of apartheid were perfectly, perfectly valid. But now, in the case of Jacob Zuma, those do not work anymore. And so he's going head on, and that's, I find, very sad, head on with one of the most legitimate institutions in the country on which the political order rests, the entire country's national order rests on that and he wants to try to bring that down with him. I don't think he will succeed. I really do believe the system is much stronger than that, and it will survive. But this is such an inglorious moment, and it it is also it amounts it amounts to a crisis, elements of a constitutional crisis, but not quite a constitutional crisis. It's a serious political crisis because Jacob Zuma plays the idea of unity and Cyril Rama in the ANC and South Africa in so many respects is the ANC in the sense that the ANC is the dominant, continuously dominant party. That that party, Cyril Ramaphosa was elected on the ticket of unity and he has to foster unity. And within his own ANC, this current day ANC, and hopefully the ANC is also stronger than this and can surmount this, but in this ANC, Ramaphosa has to trade very, very lightly in order not to be accused of sowing divisions, of 
not uniting the ANC, of persecuting his political enemies. All these are quotes from the Jacob Zuma camp. And Sirum Posa sadly has to tread so carefully to get around that. Fair enough, Prof. I think that's a very um, notable observation. But I just want to bring in uh, um, Leslie Dikani here because, I mean, most of the issues that I mean uh, that you brought uh, forward are quite uh, substantial. Firstly, you made reference to legitimate system which is under attack, and and you also made reference to the fact that it's not the constitutional crisis but just a political crisis, and and the fact that the president. Um, you know, is is struggling very carefully because he doesn't want he doesn't want to be seen as a person who is prosecuting his opponent. But the reality, the reality is, we are under threat, and we there's not much confidence that we seen from the system. Let me bring in Leslie uh, in terms of his view. Where 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 from now? There's a based on the issues that was raised by Prof. If you join us in a short while, maybe perhaps Prof, you and I could continue the conversation. Um, sure. you, you have alluded to the fact that um, the president is reluctant. In fact, most probably scared to be part of the conversation because um, more than 40 witnesses have directly implicated him, which raises the stake of, of his probable jail sentence. And perhaps maybe feel that he wants to become a martyr uh, by, 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 you know, uh, rejecting the, the, the rule of law. Um, but earlier on, you've made an observation that the, the system is a lot stronger than he is. But on the ground, you're seeing the swelling support. What does that mean? Yes, on, on the ground, we see support for Jacob Zuma. It is not so far not. One doesn't know whether people have something up their sleeve. But so far, it is not profound support on the ground. Jacob Zuma's support has been shrinking since early February 2018 when he exited the presidency of South Africa. People do not relate to him exactly the same way. He is not the flavor of the month for most people on the ground. And that is why South Africans were so happy in the 2019 elections to give the ANC around 57% endorsement in national elections. But we have seen little groupings and like platoons. They call themselves a platoon of the MKMBA, a kind of dissident military veterans organization of the ANC, sometimes with not very veteran looking members, but protecting, quote, quote, protecting the call themselves a force and um, rising for Zuma. Otherwise, it's really Zuma's support in the ANC National Executive Committee, the ANC, that really has to be taken into account because that is at the top level of the ANC. And those are people who know they will not have a future under Ramaphosa. So rather they will stick to the Zuma camp and hope that maybe a person like Ace Secretary-General of the ANC is there to help and to bolster that camp. But Interesting. We widespread grassroots level support for Jacob Zuma coming in. 
Interesting observation, Prof. Even though the line is, is a bit fading, uh, let me get this. Let me give Leslie Decan an opportunity because I think um, he's he's come upstream. Leslie, you've had the position that is maintained by Prof. Amongst other issues that was mentioned is the fact that the system it looks a lot, um, you know, uh, uh, vibrant, and he does not seem to have an opportunity to offset the medical court. Um, if you were to just come in there, Les, what, what's your take? Les? Les? Les, uh, we seem to be having a bit of a problem with Leslie Dikane, uh, who is the, the guest tonight, sharing a space with uh, Professor Boysen, uh, who is currently on the floor. Um, gee, you know, it's amazing how technology can mess you up at times. Um, how do we do this? Um, I'm going to try and get the coordinator to liaise with Les while we continue with uh, with, with with Professor uh, Boysen. The prof, one of the issues that um, you know you you have alluded to earlier, um, you know, is the fact that um, you know he has to appear uh, before you know the court and he has to testify, and his refusal. It's almost like some. It's almost like a refusal of a person who has never assumed any position of credibility. I think the most insane thing that most South African worried about is the fact that he's the person who established the commission, and he's the person who has been behind this. <laughs> you know, that's the most bizarre thing. You know, it is. Maybe there's a little. It's a little less bizarre. If we take into account exactly when Jacob Zuma established this commission, it was in the final, final moments of his presidency. And he had been obligated to establish this commission by the different reports out by the specific and a specific report from South Africa's public protector, then Tuli Madonsela. He had to establish this. And he thought that by, that by acceding to that, he would perhaps save his own skin and remain in as president of South Africa. However, that did not work. He tried to escape that for several months. And then when he came to those dying moments of his presidency, he had hoped that he would be able to save his own skin as president by instituting this committee, the mission. So, but that did not work. He was unquestionably on his way out, and that happened exactly three years and about two days ago by now, and one day ago. So that is it. But you are right in your earlier observation a minute ago. He really acts as if he has no, never had credibility, as if he's never been a person like the president of this state. And that's you know, and in this commission, in the Zondo Commission, it is that commission has really given the system the chance to establish better credibility and, very importantly, accountability, because that is another feature of Jacob Zuma in this time, that he acted without any accountability, and that is what a commission tried to achieve. We saw that in a summary argument by lead evidence by evidence leader, main head evidence leader, Paul Pretorius, yesterday in that committee, in that commission, where he summarized the different points that Zuma should have been 
questioned on, and it, so many of them related on accountability and accountability. And in, in a general sense, though, even if Zuma was not there at the Zondo Commission to answer so many questions, about 40 of them, then it was still possible. Overall, it has been possible. I think the Commission has made progress in establishing much more accountability, in bringing that in and making so many more aspects transparent of what has been happening and sadly what has been going wrong in South African politics. They will, you know, we, if you've just joined us um, online with Professor, uh, you know, uh, 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 Professor um, Susan Boysen from, uh, you know, uh, who's a visiting professor at Vets School of Governance, but also research director at Administra. Um, we're also struggling to have uh, Leslie Tikani to come through. Perhaps maybe as soon as we take a break and come back in the next uh, couple of seconds, we'll be able to rekindle our, you know, uh, virtual relationship with, with, with Leslie Dikani. For I believe he has very interesting points that he could share with us. Uh, while, you know, uh, you know, illuminating these intriguing issues that we all grappling with. Um, as we, as we gear ourselves to what's, uh, you know, the, uh, break, uh, we, let's, let's, let's again recap. I mean, we, I know what, according to Professor Susan Boysen, we're not in a constitutional crisis, we're in a political crisis, which, which, I, my mind, if, <laughs> how, uh, is that Leslie? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, we we can hear Lauren clear. Thank you very much for coming through. I tell you what, we're just about to take a break. Uh, we're going to a commercial and we'll come back and, and join you in the next uh, 30 seconds. Let's take a break and come back. But hold on there. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. We never the unexpected. Beyond Governance, making sense of doing business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. It is now 29 to 7. I'm joined online uh, by, you know, uh, a Professor Susan Boysen from Mistra as well as Leslie DiGedi. Um Before we went to the break, um, you know, uh, this is one thing that perhaps maybe Leslie could share um, his views about in terms of the 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 attempt by the president, but the, the attempt by the former president Jacob Zuma to undermine the credibility and the legitimacy of state, um, and and the thing, I, I suppose the question is where to from now? What what are the worst possible scenarios that we could see uh, planning out based on his 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 defiance? Les, you want to weigh in there? Yes, I think first things first. Uh, let uh, and, and I think that the points, and I've listened very carefully to what uh, Professor Poison was saying. I think he's up, she's absolutely right, and uh, there's nothing more that then I, that they can agree on what she has said in terms of depicting the damage of what these have done to the country, for democracy, and for the economy. Because we live in a modern day society where all these things are interlinked these days. We cannot separate one from the other. Political statement by a leader of that nature, uh, not only of the ruling party, but of the country, can have devastating effects on this. But let's move on because on the 
over the past two days, since Monday and even pre-Monday, during the other deliberations that were taking place within the uh, Commission, we now know a lot of what has happened. We now know a lot of what state capture have done to the country. We know all those things now, but we also have to look at the act, the political actor himself. President Zuma is not acting alone. He's not like a loner, like a sniper who has done alone. Next to him are a number of people. Some, it's a few uh, a, a group of what I call stormtroopers of his. And the prominent amongst this group is a group called the Radical Trans, uh, Economic Transformation Group. First of all, in this group and many others who are supporting him, and I think some commentators on radio and television um, 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 have actually not asked ourselves uh, the kinds of messages that this group is sending to us. The first very problematic thing that they have done are the kinds of phrases that they are using. Uh, intellectual jargon. They are not even intellectual jargon. They are rubric of words that are very, very dangerous, and especially if they are fed uh, so badly to the public. There's a number of them I can mention. The first one is monopoly capital, capitalism that they are referring to. This concept, uh, this concept has no linkage whatsoever to uh, 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 um, the, 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 the non-appearance of the president at the commission. The next, the next one is called radical economic transformation, a con- which is not, also not a concept. It's just a word which has never been explained, but which has been thrown onto us. But again, if you ask the question, how is this concept linked to the problem of the, the president who has to account at the commission link? There's no linkage whatsoever that you can, can, can draw in. The, set, the, the third one is concept like neocolonialism. I mean, really, can we now still talk about neocolonial uh, state? Can we not begin to accept and agree that we are now in a post-colonial state with all its deficiencies? The first point is that we need to clarify that. And then the worst one was yesterday, and I'm going to mention his name, Carl uh, Nias. Uh, and another general, a former general from the army, talking about us, uh, uh, talk, uh, telling us that uh, um, we, and we, 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 we don't have to be in a constitutional democracy. I mean, the first question that one may pose at the risk of sounding personal there is who are they to think that they can single-handedly vote for a constitution uh, sorry, uh, uh, um, change the constitution that so many millions of South Africans voted for. Those who fought for democracy or those who merely did not fight for democracy, but there were millions of us in 1994 uh, uh, who, who voted for that. So these are the kinds of questions that I think we need to throw into the debate now. But because the damage is done, we know it. Thank you very Hello. much, uh, Leslie uh, for for that uh, interesting observation. Um, I just want to bring Prof here based on the points that you have brought forward. One, the yeah. fact that there's there's absolutely no linkages between the the kind of narrative that is being thrown around around uh, uh, you know radical economic transformation, new new liberal uh, colonialism, and stuff like that. Basically, these appears to be the narrative that 
um, is, is sort of meant to distort the reality. It's meant to give an impression of an agenda which supposedly has been promoted by, 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 by the former president. So he's been seen or, 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 or sort of uh, given an impression that he has been a, 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 a messiah of these kinds of companies. Prof, Prof, what's your take on, the, on that very interesting observation made by Leslie Dikani? Yes, yes, no, Leslie made a great observation and set of them there. It is so true. You know, Jacob Zuma is this pseudo-radicalist. When he came <laughs> in, when he came over from Tabu Mbeki to 2005-2007, he came in with the idea, he was trying to reconnect with the people, arguing that Tabu Mbeki had alienated and neglected people, that created the new economy. And he came in with, on great hopes, popular and sometimes populist hopes, of South Africa, and hoping that this would be the great savior, the answer for more a more egalitarian South Africa. And once Jacob Zuma reached power, that was gone, the last we heard, for we didn't hear anything. He had so many opportunities to bring in as more left-leaning policies than Talbot Mbeki had pursued. Every opportunity, the ANC had a huge majority in parliament, had two-thirds majority. Jacob Zuma in his early days in power could have changed the constitution to bring in really radical land reform. He did not. When he reinvigorated the radicalism debate was when he was under threat of being ousted from power. It was in the run-up to Nazareth ANC Electoral Conference of December 2017 that Jacob Zuma suddenly discovered radicalism and his apostles, these followers that Leslie is also referring to now, they came to came awake to that and saw that as an opening to organize against, now it was 2017, 2019, against Ramaphosa. And it was in Zuma's political quote-unquote death, beyond power, beyond formal power, that this came to life. And now these zero radicals around Jacob Zuma, who have never made it in any pub, into any public position, who are not in the political mainstream, now they try to appropriate it. And it's very interesting. They're also striking bonds with the economic freedom fighters the smallish, medium-sized left-wing split-off party of the ANC, of course, many of them former ANC Youth League, and connecting there. So they try to form an axis of power there, which is very interesting, but it also means it is a way into power, trying to get into power by a back door. So yes, it is South African economics, an economy that, as you mentioned Nimrod that is so high in unemployment. We're bankrupt a treasury that is so parched and so reliant on borrowing. We need a reinvention of the economy. We need new ways of doing it and probably more radicalism, especially when it comes to land. But that group that is associated with Jacob Zuma they are certainly not the answer. They are into the Jacob Zuma-style economics, which is state capture. Thank you. Thank you very much.
can, can, I, can I come in there, bro? Please, can you allow me, please? Sorry, sure, I was just time. So can I, I'm allowed to come in quickly because I don't know how much time we have. But I mean, let's deal with these concepts one by one, for example, right? Uh, radical economic transformation, right? There's no need to say, to say, to use the word radical when you talk about transformation because in me, transformation, right, is radical enough because transformation means you are changing a particular form of a status quo. But you could perhaps say to us that the process of transformation in South Africa needs to be uh, expedited or a means of making sure that we do these things quickly and faster. That, that I can understand. But to talk about radical uh, economic transformation uh, is, is, is repetitive. And it's just trying to be different from what has been said for many, many, many years. And then secondly, the idea of a mono, monopoly capital, white monopoly capital, for example, right? Uh, we all know that during the, the days of apartheid, of colonialism, when we had a colonial state, that that state was a state uh, that, that was a monocapitalist state in, in its variance. But on top of that, I mean, and, and, and really the concept of a monopoly capital itself refers to a state that is governed, amongst other things, and most importantly so, by a, a group of people, whatever race they are, that monopolizes uh, 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 the economy for their own uh, personal and self-interest. That time it was racial and so on. Forward, fast forward to now. Now what the Zondo Commission has proved to us is that we have people who are thieves in the first place. We must not use any other nicer words than the fact that these are people who are looting state resources. State resources that are meant to be used for economic development and advance our, our country further. Now, there's a particular group here that has been identified, the Guptas and its cronies, right? Uh, those are, those are our monopoly capitalists. Because amongst other uh, 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 definitions of, uh, of monopoly capital is that uh, you, you have cartels in other countries who do exactly the same thing. In Mexico, you can argue that all those drug and uh, 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 cartels that are there are monopoly capitalism themselves. So when they want to argue for monopoly capitalism, we must first look at themselves. Thank you very much what? for that observation, uh, you know, uh, Leslie. I'm, I'm afraid we've literally left with uh, seven minutes. I just want to perhaps maybe ask uh, both of you to reflect on the elephant in the room. Um, what does it mean about the NEC, I mean, ANC top six and the extent to which um, the current tussle between, uh, between the former president and Jacob Zondo, how, how, what is the way forward? From where you're sitting, are we likely to find as a, a resolution now that the justice uh, is pushing for imprisonment? How do we deal firstly with the elephant in the room, which is the ANC, which seems to be not 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 united on this particular issue? Um, please, your observation, uh, Prof. and and um, Leslie, in the next uh, three four minutes, please. Sure, thank you, Namrat. That is indeed an elephant, a big 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 elephant in the room. The top six of the ANC, like the NEC, is divided. The top six is divided 
and personality central are the corruption allegations, charges even, is ANC Secretary General Ace Mahashule. He is at the forefront of resisting the ANC savior to credibility. That is that those who are implicated and charged. Voluntarily, the ANC emphasizes, voluntarily steps aside because there is no willingness because of these divisions, the fact that ANC is really divided up to the top, top level in terms of factions, for which um, Cyril Ramphosa won marginally, it, he won marginally about 179 votes out of about 5,000 votes at the Parties conference. And that is haunting him, that is haunting the current ANC, like it is haunting Cyril Ramaphosa's presidency itself. And those divisions, the ANC, Ramaphosa's ANC, if they, there is something like that, they have to find ways around it, working with it, without splitting the ANC into more parties. And everybody, that is one thing, that kind of unity on which ANC people have consensus. Because they know if there's another split off, like they've had with the Congress of the People, the Freedom Fighters, before that United Democratic Movement, another split off would push the ANC in all likelihood below the outright majority level in future elections. And then the ANC would lose power, maybe not lose power altogether because they can still form coalitions, but it would lose outright power. And that is a position the ANC does not want to get to. So they have got this obligation. They're compelled to keep in a virtual internal alliance with various groupings in the party to make sure they remain one ANC. But in, at many points in our recent history, we've seen that that, that is literally self-compromising, often self-defeating. So way forward, the way forward will be the ANC will not find another way forward for themselves than to keep the party together. But it's going to be a deliberate, this really destructive, compromised, difficult road forward to keep everybody together and to maintain credibility in the eyes of people and the electorate. And of course, we mustn't forget that President Silver Ramaphosa, on behalf of the ANC, is still going to go to the Zondo Commission to deliver evidence as well. And several witnesses so far, at least three, have given very difficult evidence of how the ANC, several occasions in the past, have traded big contracts to private companies in exchange for funding. And so Lovely. the ANC, so Ramaphosa's ANC, is still going to face very difficult times in the next few I, months. I, I can imagine, I can imagine. Now that we've got literally two, minutes, two more minutes, let me give um, uh, Leslie Digane an opportunity to reflect on the way forward, uh, talking about the elephant in the room, which is the NEC and ANC top six. Your take on that, Leslie Digane? Yeah, I'm going to be very simple because I have two minutes. First of all, the groupings that are there within the ANC and their divisions whatsoever should not be called factions. They should be defined properly as a group of people in the NEC, outside the NEC, in branches or provinces of the ANC that exist, that have got self-interest, that only think who want to advance their own interests. So I'm glad the professor didn't use the word factions, because I think a faction is different 
from a grouping of that nature. A fraction is a group of people with a set objectives of an ideological way of thinking. They have none whatsoever. Uh, so then what do we need to do with the elephant in the room and the ANC itself? Uh, first of all, we voted for the ANC. It must make sure that President Jacob Zuma go to the Zonda Commission or any other commission and comply because millions and millions of taxpayers voted for this state. I voted, you voted, we all have voted. So they must force him to just simply go and comply. But he's not going to do it. I mean, he's not going to do it. Let's, uh, uh, worst case scenario, he doesn't go. Then what? I'm not going to be uh, a Sangoma here or forging Keller to say what should be done to use, but any other means whatsoever, even what uh, uh, Judge Zondo have said, should be used, which is basically that if he does not adhere to the rule of law, we are all equal before the law. I agree with the judge there. He must therefore then, just like me, if I stole something, I must comply, go to court, uh, uh, if, need, if need be that I'm found guilty, be sentenced. I think that's the kind of uh, 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 state that we want, and that's the kind of a constitutional democracy that I believe in. Um, the other thing is that this, I mean, to just make it much more clearer, clearly to me, my, my greatest concerns is the fact that they seem to have misinterpreted completely um, 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 the uh, state and party relations. They conflate the two. We have a state and we have a party. Party or liberation movement, whatever you want to call the ANC. But the two must work hand in hand. And indeed, it is that party, that state, that, that party or that liberation movement that must make sure that the state functions as, as possibly as it can. But, you know, we, the last point, I, I enjoyed the last point uh, you made, uh, Leslie, but the reality is in South African politics um, and in Africa in general, my observation has always been that there's a fine line between party and state. The reason why most states' uh, coffers were siphoned was purely because or was precisely because the distinction between the two entities never existed. You know, you ran, you, ran the state, you ran the state as if you ran your own party. You know, party is outside the state. The state is 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 is, is, is a, draws its legitimacy on the basis of people who have vote. But anyway, this we might we might definitely have another conversation on this issue. But let's end it there by saying that in South Africa we've got a multi-party democracy. In most of those African states, there was very little of a multi-party democracy that we can refer to. Something that this group now wants to contest: the fact that we have a multi-party democracy. Yes, you are right. Let's continue and let's take it up further in another conversation because I think it is a conversation that we need at the moment or need to revisit again. Thank you very much. There we have it. That we we that that was the uh, inputs uh, you know by Leslie Bikeni, uh, a writer, a publisher, uh, and a thought leader uh, who has given us very interesting insight on 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 how you know how to manage or navigate the current political. Quagmar we find ourselves in. We've also been joined by Professor Susan Poison, who's a researcher and a visiting professor at the Vet School of Governance, also giving us a, a wonderful insight in terms of where to from now. I mean, we've had very 
critical issues that faces not only Jacob Zuma, but also the ruling party, and the extent to which the current quark paralysis, not only does it compromise the ANC, but also comp compromises the country as a whole, because we have seems to have lost sight of critical issues which the party ought to resolve. On that note, let me thank uh, the two colleagues who have come through for their insight. Uh, Prof, thank you very much for, for coming through. I really enjoyed your input. Such an honor to have been your guest, Nimrod. Thank you. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. Uh, uh, Leslie Dikani, thank you very much for, for gracing the ways as well. Thank you for inviting me. Most definitely. We, we're going to have to do this again. I, I enjoy the passion, the, the zeal that you've displayed. Let's do this again. Thank you. Lovely. Anyway, as we are wrapping up, um, you know, we, we've just had a very interesting conversation from, like I said earlier, from Professor Susan Boysen, a researcher at, at, a researcher at, uh, Mapungubo is also, uh, also as the visiting professor at the Svet School of Governance. Also on the line, we're joined by Leslie Dikeni, uh, who is giving us a very interesting perspective about how we navigate the current political avalanche, if you like. Let's do this again next week. It has been an absolute pleasure. Do look after yourself and have a good night. Beyond Governance was brought to you by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making.